I just want to point out that directly prior to recording this podcast, you used one digital agent to deal with another digital agent. No, no, that's not what I did. Well, okay, there were a few steps in between, but I'm I'm just going to suggest that perhaps there are too many robots listening in your house. Look, you're just because you think that the voices listening to you is a problem and I embrace the late stage capitalist nightmare that we all inhabit every day. Um, I hit look. My 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 wife, who I love dearly, likes to use the timers on Alexa in the living room for certain things, and she's not here right now. So when the timer at three forty five went off, instead of me yelling, getting up and walking to the other room and telling Alexa to turn off the timer, I just yelled from my desk through a couple of walls uh-huh. and it worked because technology is awesome. It did. I just want to point out that I mean, the net effect of this whole situation is that. Not 30 seconds after that, you were then hey Siri-ing a text message to your wife. I did hey Siri to tell her that her timer went off, which is literally the least efficient way to do a timer. I'm, I'm just going to tell you, I mean, look, objective third party assessment here. <laughs> look, watching you talk to one robot and then another robot in the space of a minute, like it was a little eye opening. <laughs> I have I have desperately tried to change the usage patterns of the folks that live in my house with me. But despite the fact that. She has a watch and a phone on her all day long. Mm-hmm. She insists on setting the timers on Alexa. It's literally the only thing it lives in the house for anymore. It just takes timers because if you use it for anything else, it annoys. It's like, it's like, Hey, while you're waiting for that timer to go off, do you want to listen to this audible book? And you're like, no, fuck off, Alexa. She she's, continues to use Alexa for timers. She's doing this verbally, right? Yeah, of course. Well, the whole reason to have it is so you can yell at the computer. This might speak to how long I've spent in shell configuration files recently. What if you could just alias in her speech, the word Alexa to Siri? What if you just could like find a place? If you could find a way to hypnotize her into just power of suggestion, just plant a suggestion that instead of saying Alexa, she says Siri. And then won't that problem just work itself out? Um, I think it raises a whole host of other problems (laughs) about free agency and free will. And and probably right. That probably you're going to get me in trouble. It's a good thing. She never listens to the podcast. How many agents are there these, these days? I mean, Siri and Alexa obviously like is, well, there's Google, Google, Google has one. I guess I I more specifically mean how many personified ones are there? Like it was always just kind of, Hey Google, right? Well, Google doesn't have a name, but it still wants to be your friend. They did not come up with a persona for theirs. No, but like early on, the persona names were just because they were phonetically discrete names. They were phonetically discrete sounds that are unusual at the start of sentences in the English language. Like that's why Siri, because there's no words that start with Siri and you don't start a sentence with seriously. Right. That's fair. So um, the, the Alexa is a similar, a similar situation. Um, I, I don't, I don't actually know. There's a, there's some open source projects going that do the same thing. There's the Google one. Um, I, I don't, I don't know. I feel like there's at least one other that I'm forgetting. You know, Jibo famously went oh. out of business. <laughs> Poor Microsoft. Oh yeah. Cortana. There's also Cortana. You know what the first thing I do when I install windows on a new computer is? I bet I can guess where this is going. Turn off Cortana. Mm-hmm. Sorry. I like the voice actress. She's the voice actor is great. She's wonderful, but um, but yeah, no, I don't, um, but Cortana doesn't work on any devices. It's just on windows because windows, Microsoft doesn't have devices. Wait, so not work on surfaces and surfaces are computers. Well, mm-hmm. I mean, they they run windows, they're windows machines. This is, this is a real six of one, half a dozen of another, but it's not like you can get, it's not like you can get Cortana on your watch. Maybe you can't. Well, okay. Okay. Look, I just want the chip that you embed in the back of your brain. I actually know that's the last, like, there was a period in my life when I would have been probably first in line for the brain chip. 
And part of me still thinks, hey, having the brain chip would make is essentially a superpower. Like being able to look anything up on the internet instantly is 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 a is a superpower. But no, I don't want that. It seems terrible. It seems like a like just inviting the dystopia into your house, into your brain. Talk about raising issues with agency and free will. Welcome to Brad Will Made a Tech Pod. I'm Will. I'm Brad. Brad, mm-hmm. it's a banner day. Is it? Well, I mean, it's the it's the Friday before a long weekend. Okay. That's, that's a feel-good day. Started to ask how you define a banner day. I think I'm going to put on like some, put on a summer jams playlist after this. I'm going to go sit in the backyard, drink a beer, maybe. I, I don't know. I, ooh, that sounds nice. Oh, hang on. Are you going to put on the summer jams playlist or just a... Uh... So um, the summer jams playlist is... is, is um, I don't know that I have access to it anymore. Because oh, it's public. It's, it got, oh, is it? Is I, it? I is it? It went away for a little bit. Hang on. Let me just type the realist summer jams into Google and see what comes. It was back. on Spotify and it disappeared for a little bit, but maybe it's back now. Oh, right here. Oh, uh, beautiful. I can tell you bicycle race by queen. Appears to have been the last song. Uh, no, I'm sorry. This is in the other order. Let me scroll all the way to the bottom. Wow. Queen book ending. I don't think that's an accident, Brad. Queen uh, is both the first and the last musical act on this. Uh, so I just shuffle it. I I, I would often yeah. ask for it in the car, speaking to, to speak of our dystopian voice assistant future. <laughs> um, but uh, but no, I I um I made I made like it's the it's the personalized Will Smith version of that, which are my summer jams for the last thirty years of my life, basically. Can you give me a random sampling? some gorillas on there there's an occasional outcast there's okay. uh, some spin do- I, like i'm not gonna i'm not proud spin of it doctors? there's some spin doctors on there wow spin doctors was very very important uh summer year summer of my senior year after my senior year in high school they're all of all of their, their whole two songs they made two they recorded it's weird they this uh, popular no. band that recorded exactly two songs Look, and nothing else okay I, I realize you're a little bit younger than me that first album is okay but they are not a good band just to be clear my official oh, stance wow. on the spin doctors is okay. that the the first album is a really good pop pop album, but but I've seen I've seen them live twice, and one time they were okay, and the other time they were maybe the worst band I've ever seen live. Wow, ouch, that hurts. I mean, like <laughs> you may not care for their material, but I assume they were at least competent musicians. It's possible that I had a pocket full of kryptonite when I was at the show, and it just it just set them off, and they couldn't handle it. But um, <laughs> I see. You know, I look. I remember the spin. I vividly remember the yeah. summer that the album came out i yeah yeah it was that was like that was like in high school the summer jam was music that i listened to at the lake okay like you put a tape in the boat cd the boat tape player and listen to some music while you're t- t- tooling around the lake is there a more summer location than the lake not for not if you grew up in northeast tennessee yeah yeah it's it's the most summer like going out to the somebody's boathouse is the is basically the like the ultimate summer summer day Oh, it just occurred to me that you guys didn't really have ready access to the beach. I mean, not well, that we, it was not nine hours. Exactly did. Yeah. Like, I mean, that's a long time. I mean, it was less for us. I mean, at least at least we were in a coastal state, though. Like, yeah, if we if we were driving, whether we were driving to like South Carolina or or 
or like if we went to Myrtle, Myrtle Beach was probably the closest and it was like eight and a half hours. Virginia Beach was nine hours. That's it rough. was basically the same distance to drive to like the Gulf Coast of Florida. So if you wanted to go to like Destin or someplace like that, that was like 10 hours. That's too much. Well, I mean, we had lakes. Our lakes are awesome. So it worked out. That's why for me, the, it's the beach for you. It's the lake. Yeah. The number of people that I knew that had probably never seen an ocean when they were in high school and high school was pretty. It was also not a super well to do area, but it was pretty high. Anyway, mm -hmm. you know, yeah, like when it's hot in the summer, you might just turn on the air conditioning and stay in and watch television, which is an amazing coincidence. You bring that up because uh -huh. this week on the tech pod, we're going to talk about stuff you plug into your TV, which just to be clear, relatively new invention in the great scheme of things. I think I think that was literally how you proposed this episode topic was what if we talked about stuff you plug into your TV? Literally the document with our notes in it is called things you plug into your TV. Uh -huh. um, so like in the beginning, you plugged an antenna into your TV and then the TV came across the airwaves and there was no other way to get that, get stuff into it. Other than that, that was, yes. that was it. Correct. That was the alpha and the omega. It was the, the one and then the two and then the three. And then eventually a long time after that, the four or five channels. Um, Hang on. and, and wait, there was no other world, but then in the early eighties, like wait, people, wait, 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 I have to stop yeah. you. I'm sorry. Yeah. Can yeah. we talk about this liminal space in between the three channels, which I'm familiar with and like cable when there were a zillion, but when were there four? Well, four was Fox, right? Well, there was always, there was always PBS too. Oh, was that the fifth? Okay. And if you lived someplace that like in a big, in an urban area, you would often have like, like non-English language channels too. Like when I went to visit my grandparents in DC as a kid, there were Korean and Spanish and, um, I think maybe Vietnamese channels because okay, there's sure. a big there's a big um, like post-war Vietnamese community outside D.C. Sure. Yeah, um, I, didn't, I didn't encounter that sort of thing until I moved out here. Um, but yeah, like th there was um, Fox came around in the like late 80s, mid mid 80s. But but by that point, cable already had pretty good penetration. I remember when yeah. the Fox affiliates set up shop in our area. Yeah, it was like, oh, my God, there's a fourth channel. The fourth channel came to Greenville, which was like we had to put a different we had to aim the antenna a slightly different way to get that, that to get that channel. Unfortunately, I don't remember where WHNS Fox 21 was broadcasting from. Oh, I can't remember what the code numbers were for. Fox. It was 39, though, I think. Anyway. Oh, oh, my God. Were they out of South Carolina? No. Wait, hang on. I was watching South Carolina Fox my whole youth. What? Wow. It's like you've lived a lie your entire uh, life. I feel I feel filthy. Should we just lay out real fast for for international listeners? The the networks are ABC, CBS, and NBC. I don't think it matters, but we can. Okay, those are the classic American broadcast networks. Anyway, let's move on to things. Yeah, plug into your TV. Okay, so so um, at some point in the late in the seventies, cable TV started getting popular, and it, it started um, uh, it started as a solution to the hey, TV is hard to get in New York and big cities because of all the metal in the buildings. I didn't know cable proliferated that early. I thought cable was a mid to late eighties thing before it really caught on. Well, so my understanding is that the, the earliest cable networks were like shared antennas, shared access to antennas and buildings in like Manhattan and downtown Chicago and places where there were lots of big, big radio interfering skyscrapers. So they would just have a giant antenna on, they the, put roof, an antenna on the roof okay, and yeah. then they'd run coax, coax wire that plugged into the back of your TV that shared that antenna with everybody in the building. So we had that in the house I grew up in. Is that common? I assume that's common. I've never mm -hmm. seen that outside of, I, I've never personally seen that, but this oh, is wow. something I read about. We had a, we had a giant antenna on the house. Oh, we, we had a giant antenna on the house, but it wasn't like shared across all the, oh, no, no, the yeah, rooms I didn't in the house. That. It just, just came down straight to the, straight to the TV. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. We had coax um, in the wall, those is what I mean. Anyway. Well, so anyway, in the eighties, like the cable TV stuff didn't really start proliferating until the eighties. That was, that was when it started. And around that same time, VCRs and Betamax, like VHS VCRs and Betamax players came online and, and laser disc players shortly after that. Yeah. Um, so, so those were the earliest things. These things, we're not going to talk about this stuff for long. So don't, yeah. don't worry. We're not talking about ancient hardware today. Yeah. We're not, we're not talking about the analog stuff so much. I, I will say real fast that YouTube has really given a second life to all of the crappy old VHS tapes that people used to record things off of TV. Like there are so many old commercials and news broadcasts and like, but like some, some pretty valuable stuff out there. Like, well, and capturing that stuff is really a, a science. It turns out because yeah. there's a, there's a lot to it. Alex, Alex had to go on eBay and bought some kind of, I think discontinued, or maybe they're still making them like a, a um, basically a VHS or VCR with an MPEG two encoder in it. And I think a USB connection. Well, you, yeah, but also even if you have like an analog, like I have a VCR and analog capture stuff, but you need specific kinds of VCRs because you need to tr- tune the heads and like the tracking is you anyway, it's, it's hard because the tapes, the data on the tapes is degraded and all it doesn't, yeah. it doesn't matter. Yeah, we don't yeah, need yeah. to get into that. Yeah. Yeah. I just, well, the last thing I just um, want to say is, is that after I watched Chernobyl last year, the HBO series, I went and found Ted Koppel. Like I found the episode of Nightline from the day that the Soviets finally gave in and briefed the world. Wow. Um, or actually it might've been before they admitted what was going on. It might've been in that when that, that window where they had like the Swedish authorities had detected radiation in the atmosphere. Yeah. But before the Soviets admitted what was going anyway, like there are just so many amazing historical artifacts because of VCRs floating around out there well, on YouTube. Yeah. And it's because people saved like tapes of stuff and like, like, um, uh, Jason Scott talks about finding tapes where people like recorded something and then fell asleep before they turned it off. And then there's like two hours of like weekly uh, nightly news followed by whatever. Um, there's a, there's a letterman like early letterman episodes were basically not archived. So a lot of them were saved because some fan just recorded all of every episode of Letterman on a, on a tape in his, in his basement for years and years and years. Good thing that fan knew how to program his VCR. Ha ha ha. Exactly. Extremely dated. Flashing 12s. Um, But anyway, so in the eighties you started getting a bunch of stuff. You could play, you get cable boxes, you get uh, VCRs, you get analog satellite at first, you know, the big giant six foot dish, eight foot dish in the backyard. Um, eventually digital satellites came on in the nineties that used MPEG two compression and smaller discs, uh, some small, smaller dishes. Um, and then eventually like consoles and, and computers, you know, home computers, like, like your, you could plug, um, uh, like TI 99 four A's and, and, uh, a lot of, a lot of early home computers could be plugged into TVs and use them as monitors. And then like the Nintendo and stuff like that. And those all came across our RF modulators at the beginning. So it was just, you plugged it in, you tuned the, tuned the knob to channel three for some reason. I have no idea why it was either three or four, I think. Right. I think you could pick. I, I remember. You, you we usually could, could switch. There was a yeah, switch had, on the RF box. Yeah. We had a selector switch on our little RF adapter. Yeah. Um, but then in the nineties in like the mid nineties, TiVo announced this created built, built this box that was called a DVR. It was a new idea. And the idea was it's a it's a little box you plug into your TV and it works kind of like a VCR, but there's not a tape and it always is recording everything you watch. So you can like rewind and fast forward live TV. You could also say, hey, it also connected to the Internet and pulled down schedules. So you could say, hey, I want to record every episode of The Simpsons or every episode of uh, The X-Files or, or whatever, you know, every every Tennessee football game. And it would record all of those 
and then just as it ran out of space, it would delete the oldest stuff and you'd, you'd, you'd keep saving. It was a, it was truly an incredible device. It was revolutionary. 99. Yeah. I just looked up is when the first TiVo launched. It is, it is astonishing to me to listen to you describe the function of that thing and then think back to the fact that those 1999 era hard drives were not just falling apart left and right. They because, were like 14 gig hard drives was what the first TiVo shipped with, I think. But because they were writing to themselves constantly for hours and hours a day. Yeah, but it actually, if you think about it, it wasn't all that much data because it was like MPEG-2 compressed SD video. So yeah. it was like, you know. That's fair. Yeah. But 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 yeah, so they were working constantly. Um, it was um, the thing that stands out to me about the TiVo and the reason that the DVR, which eventually like the other um, cable companies and stuff started shipping DVRs with their in place of their cable boxes. And and like the technology took about five, five or six years, but it filtered down across the rest of uh, across a lot of other places. The reason it was it was noteworthy to me is that it was the first time that you had something that wasn't overtly a computer that was really a computer plugged into your TV. Yeah. So when we were talking about this episode, like you blew my mind when you mentioned that that thing is just an x86 box. Although now that I'm saying this out loud, what the hell else would it have been? Because there kind of was nothing else back then. Right. Yeah. Like, I mean, like, I know arm technically existed at that time, but I mean, they didn't have products that could handle this sort of thing. Like, I mean, I, kind of, I, you know, I, you say that and I meant to go back and look, but, um, they just, they just, they didn't actually ever list CPUs. I don't think. So I'm I, the Wikipedia page explicitly says that it did run Linux. Yeah. It, oh, it's sorry. It was a power PC. It wasn't, oh, it wasn't, it wasn't a, a um, okay. yeah, it wasn't, it was a risk processor, not a, not a, not an x86. Oh, I, so it's funny <laughs> when I just said, what the hell else would it have been? I started to say, I mean, I guess it could have been power PC or MIPS. And then in fact, they shipped uh, TiVos that used both of those things. Yeah. I wouldn't have thought that MIPS would have been fast enough, but I guess it was, I guess the, were the MIPS ones, the satellite dish ones. Uh, series two was a MIPS series two was what my parents bought. Uh, so, so Gina heard about this from a friend at work and literally we went out and bought one the day that she, she was like, I want, I want this more than anything else I've ever wow. heard of in my life. And so we went out and bought one that had a 14 gigabyte hard drive and it had, that gave it, it was like an hour per gig. Basically. I mean, it, it was an astonishing upgrade to the way that you watch television. Yeah. Cause we, we, well, like we were, we were relatively young. We both had jobs. We were pretty active. So we would often be out, but we still like to watch like, like X-Files was on on Saturday night or Sunday night or something. We like to watch X-Files. So it just recorded it for us. We'd been using tapes. And if you didn't remember to put the tape in, then you just, it, the TV was gone. You'd never see it again in like three months from then. Yeah. Also quality. I mean, like people know what VHS looks like. It's not great compared to the original broadcast, but this was like, yeah, you're making, you're making a face. I mean, look, I don't know that the TiVo was that much better than the original perfect. broadcast. But you didn't have you didn't have the weird little analog artifacts that you get with VHS. That's true. That's true. So um, so uh, the, they ended up making a bunch of different TiVos. They had a partnership with DirecTV that just the DirecTV ones would just pull the MPEG stream directly from the satellite feed. Really? And, and not save have to it to hard drive it? and not have to re-encode it. Yeah, there's no no reencoding, and so they, that also meant that they couldn't do over the air. I think so. You only got local channels if you had local channels coming in Directv. Interesting. Um, but but it was it was like a big deal. And then like in the years after TiVo, starting in like 2001, 2002, there were a lot of like software products for PCs that mimicked that behavior. So there was like Sage TV, um, 
uh, uh, okay, and a couple of other a couple of other things that came along. Windows Media Center, Center, bunch of other similar outfits that did more or less the same thing. That you put a TV tuner in your card, you plugged into an antenna or your cable box, and then it would change channels and and do all that kind of business um, to record analog standard deaf TV. Now, HD TV came along, and there was a problem, right? Because the content providers were all really worried that that HD was going to provide too high a quality signal and that piracy would basically destroy all secondary sales and and like the 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 downstream value of their content. So they insisted that the cable people encrypt everything. And as a result, uh, they built this they they you you had to run everything through a cable box, or alternately, they had the the I guess FCC or FTC, I can't remember which one, made them come up with an open standard so that you could add the encryption that your provider carried to whatever um, uh, box you the user chose. Like it was part of a anti-competitive thing. Does this have anything to do with cable card? Do you remember that? This is cable standard? card. Is that cable, that is cable, cable card, card is the outcome of this. Interesting. Okay. So, so the unencrypted standard for cable in North America was QAM, QAM. Uh, and oh, then there was yeah. then there was an encrypted standard that lived on top of that that just basically scrambled the the qualm signal. Um, the the um, the cable card spec always seemed to me like it was the kind of thing that was just designed to fail. Like it was it was basically um, unwieldy enough. It was unwieldy enough that when you called Comcast and said, "Hey, I have a TiVo that has a cable card in it." I can somebody come hook it up. They'd be like, yeah, the guy who does that's on vacation for the next two weeks because <laughs> they only had one person in the office that knew how to work them. Of course. And so to be clear, you bought a cable card uh, aftermarket and installed it into your, t- or I mean, separately, like it, you installed it manually into a TiVo or did it just come that way? So the, pro- your cable provider usually would hand you the cable card. Okay. And the cable card would be provisioned uh, to be part of their network and with their local keys and all that stuff. So if like, if you took, if I took a Comcast cable card here and took it to a charter network, presumably it wouldn't work. I, sure. I don't actually know what would happen. Sure. What was, what was the install process into a TiVo? Like, I mean, I assume I'm not, I'm not it was a PCMCIA card. Oh, 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 okay. That's, that's quite, quite yeah. doable. That's easy. That's, I mean, it may not have been exactly, but it looked like a PCMCIA card. I never tried to plug it into a laptop. Yeah, uh, so PCMCIA card was basically like a little bit bigger than a credit card and as thick as probably like five credit cards. Oh man, I just, I just had a profound, we are old moment when you, you felt the need to explain what a PCMCIA card is. Yeah. Have you not, when was the last time you thought about a PCMCIA I mean, card? Uh, well, I think about a lot of old stuff. Oh, okay. Computing, okay. Uh, sphere. The last time I saw one, God. When I emptied my garage before my daughter was born, I threw out a bunch of PCMCIA cards. 15 years ago. Does that sound right? Yeah, that seems right. The, they stopped being a thing around 2010 when the MacBook, when MacBook switched the unibody design and USB two got good. Yeah. It was, a, it was um, a neat idea though. Like expansion cards for laptops. I mean, it was a bad idea. Yeah, fine. Never worked right. Anyway. Um, so the, the having had several cable card TiVos over the years, generally when the person would come out to install them, if they'd installed a lot of cable card TiVos, they would bring at least two times as many cards as they would need for the device that you had. Huh? So like if you had a TiVo that could record two channels at once, you'd have to bring four cards because at least one of them would fail. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. Reliable technology. It was not a great technology, but, um, um, but, uh, at the same time there was like stuff, there was weird stuff. Like there were music streaming boxes that would plug into your TV. Um, 
uh, or to your entertainment center, like Squeezebox was this thing that did that, that uh, Logitech, I think, ended up buying. Sonos was doing music streaming to their speakers at that point, just speaker to speaker. Wait, I'm um, sorry. Did you say Sonos? Sonos. Were they, have they been around that long? They started in like 2002. Oh my God, I had no idea. Yeah, Sonos has been around for ages. I, I would say, when was the first time I heard of Sonos? Sonos. Like seven, eight, eight, maybe seven, eight years ago at most. The first Sonos used 802.11a radios with a proprietary protocol on top of that that frequency spectrum in those radios, as I wow. recall. I had no idea. Um. Uh, so XBMC... Uh, was the thing that uh, the Xbox media player. Yeah. So that's, that's a whole other topic real fast before we get into that. Can we talk about the TiVo business model? Just yeah. A tad? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, because they charge a monthly fee for that thing for people who didn't have one or do not know that. Well, you're so, paying them, you're paying them for uh, essentially their like access to their online infrastructure for program listings and, and that sort of thing. You're paying them for program listings is yeah. what you're paying for. Cause that, right. that was, that was privileged. That was information that had cost associated with it. Right. So um, you couldn't, and, you couldn't program that thing without access to their stuff. To their you data. Could. Oh, could you? Yeah. You could, you could not pay the service and just oh. program everything by time. Like you do with a VCR. Oh, I had no idea they let you do that. But be, but the, the other thing you were paying for is if the football game went late on Sunday and you had the X file set to record the they they would it would dial in and say hey you should there's a football game before this so you should start recording like 20 minutes early just in case god that's right i totally forgot because it used to it it, it connected with a phone to your to your analog phone yeah. with, a, with a phone cable to your analog phone and it would dial in every night for like five minutes and download the the new listings um the the so the model was they sold the hardware relatively inexpensively the more expensive models that had more space cost way more than the difference in hard drive prices. So like if you bought a 30 gig model, it'd be 500 bucks. And the, the, the 14 gig model was like 200 bucks. And it, the 30 gig model was just two 14 gig drives jammed into the box. That is a laughable markup. Well, I mean, back then a 14 gig hard drive was 200 bucks probably. Sure. Yeah. So it's not, it's not like that. It's, it's no, it's no, it's literally no different than buying the difference between 128 gig and a 200 gig iPhone. I know. I mean, it sounds like yeah. a difference of degree, but yeah, uh, um, I, I think you mentioned we were talking about this before, like they were selling those things at a huge loss. They were selling them at a loss and it's unclear how, how huge the loss was, but yeah, the, the, the big thing, the, 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 like ultimately probably the biggest legacy of TiVo is that they invented the $10 a month subscription model. Cause up until that point you paid for cable and you might've had subscriptions attached to that, like HBO or something that you paid 15 bucks a month for, but there weren't any, Hey, pay 10 bucks a month and get access to content type deals at that point. Like there was music streaming, there was Rhapsody, which was a, mu uh, a music streaming that I think got bought by real networks. Maybe that was yeah. a $5 a month or $7 a month. And you got like access to 200,000 songs that you could stream or something. Who, who did happen to Rhapsody? I think they up. got bought by real. Uh, I found it here. I'm not going to waste time. Yeah, you're right. I believe, I believe that is in fact the case. Can I, can, can we have a quick sidebar here? Yeah. You just mentioned that HBO was 15 bucks a month. Is that, is that your recollection? HBO was always $15 a month. Like as in, I recall in the eighties, I asked, uh, we I, didn't have HBO in the eighties. So we, we did not either. We never had it. That's why I asked because there was no way in hell that my dad was going to pay for HBO when I knew friends that had it. And I've just, Never thought to actually go back and look and, and wonder how much it would have cost us a month because that was never going to happen. I, when I got, when I moved out and got an apartment off campus and I signed up for cable and it was like, 
hey, you can get HBO. And it's like, man, I've always wanted to have HBO. <laughs> and it was like, you can get HBO for it'll it's it's free for the first three months and then fifteen dollars a month after those I can come up with fifteen dollars a month for HBO. I will just go to the video rental place three times a month less. Heretofore unknown levels of luxury. Yeah. <laughs> this college exactly. cable sold, yeah, subscription. I had, but then then the way they got you was you had to have the different cable box if you wanted HBO because mm-hmm. you had to get the one that decrypted stuff and not just the one that cha- anyway, it doesn't matter. Um so yeah, TiVo TiVo invented the ten dollar a month thing. Like that was the first time I ever saw that. Well, hey, thanks, TiVo. Look, we've we've benefited from the ten dollar a month uh, thing. Right. Yeah. Also, I, I also subscribe to a lot of ten dollar a month services yeah. at this point. Yes, and ten bucks a month now, not quite what it was in nineteen ninety nine. No, definitely the case. Um, also in TiVo's case, you could pay, you could just pay two hundred bucks once per device, and you had you never had to pay again. Yes, for, that was a per device cost. Which, which seemed pretty fair to me. Yeah, that's what my parents did. And yeah. that TiVo is still hooked up. I, it doesn't really get used. It's, I, it is hooked up to the downstairs TV, which also doesn't get used much. Well, but I, I was just saying it still works in some capacity. But there's no, there's no, it uses, it uses NTSC oh, yeah, yeah. TV. There's no, there's no terrestrial broadcast for okay. it anymore. In my, in my defense, that TiVo may actually not be hooked up to anything, but it's, sitting it's just sitting there. The TV down there. My parents was sitting under the TV in the, in their basement for a long, long time. Yeah. The one that they don't ever use. Anyway. Yes, yes that's the exact same situation here. Uh, um, and then we've we've talked about, you've talked about upgrading people's hard drives and TiVos and blessing them before. I've talked about the .tivo files I have that. Yeah. I, like, I found I found those .tivo files on my NAS like not, not more than like three years ago. And again, TiVo launched in 1999. I had to get my mom to sign into her old TiVo account. Get that on, media access key? On the web, yes. And retrieve the Mac, the media access key, because... I found a command line utility that will decrypt those TiVo files, but I couldn't do it without her unique code. Yeah. I've and, used that and, Python script to decrypt a bunch of old, uh, Futurama episodes, I yeah. think. And, and sure enough, she was still able to get it out of that account. Anyway, Xbox media center, originally known well, as Xbox media player. Well, but, but, um, but the, the other thing about TiVo is they got killed eventually by the HG, like the HG transition killed them. Right. Like the, the insistence on the cable card stuff, meant that and and also the fact that like comcast and all the cable companies started shipping like not good but good enough dvrs was enough to 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 you know not entirely kill tivo but um it's it's a shell of what it once was yeah, so for anyway. sure. I, i'm sitting here looking at their website now i'm not 100 percent sure what their business model they is. sell I mean, streaming they, boxes well yeah yes i mean they've got they've got what essentially looks like a chromecast in in the sense that it's a tiny box that plugs straight into the HDMI and hangs out of the port. Uh, they've got a larger box that looks kind of like an Apple TV. Yep. They've still got the peanut remote, peanut shaped remote. Best sounds ever. Oh, their, their sounds were not bad. Yeah, they sound they're, like if we ever, I want to do at some point, I want to do the episode about the, the best computer sounds. Oh, that's, we should do that because like that one is definitely on that. Like the, the it had, it had a three tone chime for fast forwarding. Cause you could fast forward three different speeds. Mm-hmm. And it made a different one each one. So you knew exactly how fast you were going based on the sound it made when, when you went ka-chunk, ka-chunk, ka-chunk. It's really good. They were anyway. very good sounds. And, and you doing your impression just now has made me realize that the Roku sound set, I don't know if you have a Roku in it's the It's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, it's okay. It's kind of a, but it, it's kind of trying to do its best TiVo impression. Yeah, definitely. Like the, the Roku sound set definitely feels inspired by. I had always heard that a bunch of ex-TiVo people went 
to Netflix and that's how what where, where Roku was born. Interesting. But I don't know if that's true or not. Huh. Um so anyway, like the the TiVo spawned a bunch of PC projects that were similar in all the way up to like Xbox uh, sorry, sorry to Windows Media Center the open source well what i guess it became open source right the xbmc i don't know if it originally was yeah let me see if i can um, but, the, but that ran on hacked original xbox ones right yeah so at that time it was xbox media player yeah and and yes you could soft mod your xbox there did you do that no i didn't i trying to remember i used the was it the mech assault 2 method yeah i didn't there have was, the right game to do it i don't think okay there was some kind of i remember <laughs> i remember I think I had to borrow it from somebody. It was, you know, it was a good time to work at GameSpot. I'll say it was a specific, it wasn't It was like I had two versions of the wrong version of, of Mech Assault to do right. it. I think like, like it had to be the first run copy of the game because of course they found this exploit and fixed it in the second yeah. print run. But you know, if you need to get a first run copy of an Xbox game working GameSpot in 2006 is a good place to do it. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, it was an Xbox media player originally became Xbox media center over time. I was completely blown away by that thing. It was really cool. Uh, at that, at that point I was running windows media center PCs okay. on the TV. So, okay. so you, which was really stupid in retrospect. You had a solution, but uh, I think we yeah. talked about this before XBMC or Xbox media player, I guess at the time, like that was the first internet connected app of any kind on a TV that I ever saw. Like I, I modded my Xbox. I installed that thing. And when I fired it up the first time, like, it had a little news ticker at the bottom. Oh, right. Cause the Xbox it, had an ethernet port, yeah, right? So the Xbox was the first. So you, you know, you could get the ethernet add on for the PS2, yeah. but they completely underutilized it cause they didn't know what to do with it. Well, but the Xbox shipped with an ethernet port and Microsoft had their networking background. So the console did actual network stuff and yeah, seeing, <laughs> seeing live data being piped into this television app for the first time was just like a blow my hair back kind of experience. I was like, Oh my God, this is so cool. This is going to be so cool when it's, they start leveraging this for real. It's really funny because like th- you say that. And now I think back on it, I think that blessing TiVo hard drives was probably the first time I used Linux for something that wasn't just huh. noodling around with Linux. Interesting. So wait, did like, you do that in a PC? You had to hook it up. To yeah. So you, you would IDE. be, you'd unplug your other hard drives just for safety and then um, plug in the TiVo, the first TiVo hard drive and then plug in the new TiVo hard drive and boot off of a floppy drive um, and then run a little, you know, boot, boot off, boot onto a, or boot off of CD into a live CD environment and then run a command line utility to bless the new hard drive with the key from the old hard drive. Yeah. The first this, and copy of the files over if you wanted. Right. This, this makes me realize like the first few years of the century were really an interesting time for like computing extending beyond the computer. Yeah. Like, the, like, like right up, right up through the end of the nineties, like the computers were only in computers. You know what I mean? And like, like you said, like the, the TiVo is kind of like the first major device at least we can think of right now that was kind of a computer but not in computer form yeah i mean like the and, xbox and, is another example for you know like the xbox was basically a pc well yeah the and, the dreamcast was like a win c it ran I'm windows kind of yeah like the, janky, win- the light windows but yeah yeah but the architecture was different uh that's true the, the xbox literally was an x86 but box. yeah t- tivo was also one of the if not the first one of the very first things that ran linux that was like a consumer device that was embedded and not just for servers like that's pretty early like linux only happened like linux linux had been around for less than 10 90, years 92 yeah you're 99 seven years later here is a commercial device like I, very I, popular one running it i want to say it was before the 2.6 kernel it was right around the time the 2.6 kernel came out 
or maybe it was maybe it was when it maybe it was when you started using the 2.62 kernel. Anyway, is 2.6 significant? I feel like in my mind it is. 2.6 was a big one, yeah, because it's when they added uh, you needed it for AG. I, you needed it for some hardware support. There was some important hardware support that only was supported in, in Linux in 2.6. Okay, uh, December 2003 is when 2.6 came out. Uh, well, then maybe I'm maybe I'm off by a few. Anyway. Um, so, okay. So, so stuff chucked along for a while there and then, um, like the XBMC project's interesting because Plex eventually forked, forked from it. Plex yeah. started out as the OS, OS 10 version of XBMC. Oh, is that how that happened? Yeah. So when, when, um, when the, the problem with XBMC was you needed an Xbox to run it. Right. And a lot of people didn't, but they wanted the UI cause the UI was pretty good. And they wanted the networked media playback for uh, mostly playing pirated anime. It seemed like at the time Uh, tracks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, (laughs) And uh, you know, then, then you had um, so, so people started forking it to put it on other platforms and they ended up realizing that they were, they needed to ditch the Xbox hardware because also I think it only supported up to like 720p or something like that. It was the original Xbox was mostly a, a, a SD console, right? I believe it was, Topped out at 720. It was component only. It was pre HDMI, yeah. of course. It was 1080i or 720p. Probably well, might have done 1080i. I forget. But anyway, um, yeah. Then, and in fact, they you know even the project called Xbox Media Center originally or eventually dropped Xbox support, and I believe that's when it became Cody. Yeah, I I, I think that is correct. I think that was sometime later, but yeah, X, the original. So yeah, both both Plex and Cody spawned from XBMC in different uh, yeah. different forms. Um, and, and like your TVs didn't have TVs were still just screens. They, they probably had some compute in them to manage the HD, especially the, 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 um, uh, scan conversion, like changing to run lower resolutions at non-native resolutions and all that stuff. But, but it wasn't really exposed. Um, and then the consoles, then the, the next gen console, you know, the Xbox 360 and PS3 and we launched. Yes. And they came with apps that I think were probably developed by the console holders for the most part. So they didn't have it at launch. Definitely the Xbox did not. I'm trying to remember what year. I I want to say it was 08. The the Wii Wii eventually shipped Netflix on a disc, as I recall. Yes, yes. The Wii didn't have much provision for installing software on it. Because it was just like an SD card for storage or something, right? Yeah, beyond very rudimentary WiiWare stuff, which you probably could have run a Netflix app off of that. But yes, they straight up, you straight up could get Netflix on a disc for, for the Wii. Um, I think and then the PS3 didn't launch with that stuff either. I don't, no. I didn't have a PS3 at launch. I think I, I want to say it was 2008 because the 360 got that dashboard makeover. Yeah. When they, you remember when they ruined the blades, <laughs> when they chucked the blades into the, the dustbin of history, he yeah, had the last good Xbox interface. Uh, sorry. Sorry. Friends who work on Xbox. It's fine. I just like the blades. Yes. I mean, I, I didn't particularly love the blades at the time, but now I have all kinds of, a lot of people have blade nostalgia. It turns out. Look, I'm sure that there's probably some some thing that I wrote in like 2007 that's like, man, this blade interface sure is shit. Yeah. I mean, I I found at one point I found a 360 around the office that we hadn't touched in months that still had the blades on it. And we made a video out of it. Oh, that's precious. <laughs> because it was like, OK, well, we should probably upgrade this thing so it can get back online because we need Xboxes in here. Goodbye, Blades. <laughs> Goodbye, Blades. Let's document. Let's document this process. Let's let's do one more video of these blades before they go away. There was there was a period of time there when finding an Xbox that continued to work was a real was 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 a real blessing. 
that's a whole other story. Um, um, but but it's, I, yeah, I think it was it was when that dashboard came along where they moved to the kind of panels scrolling left to right. Yeah. Sort of motif, I believe, is around the same time that uh, Netflix showed up on the console and like the apps that were not games on consoles was mind blowing at the time. Like it was just unheard of up to that point, you know? Yeah. Well, like, u- using a console to watch television streamed over the internet. I mean, you bought a console to play video games at that time, you know, like it was just Netflix on the 360 was like this watershed. And, and prior to that, so prior to the Xbox supporting that, like the way you watch Netflix, if you didn't like Netflix was a place you rented discs. Yes. And they mailed them to you. That's people. I'm sure people know this, but like you, you, they mail you a disc in a little mailer and then you'd watch it and you put it back in the mailbox and it would go back and you, they'd send you another one. Sorry. When I, when I said that's right, just now I wasn't talking about them shipping discs. What I was thinking about was, I guess the 360 was the first and only device I had that I could do Netflix streaming on. Like there was nothing else then. So what I was going to say is the early Roku's were the other one. Okay. So the Roku existed then, but like why, the problem, because we, we covered this at either maximum PC or test. I can't remember what, what I think it was at, at um, max PC probably. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, is that the quality of content that was available on the streaming site for Netflix wasn't worth spending 200 bucks or whatever the box cost. Right. But when, but once you had a box in your living room that already did it, that the did that you were using to play other games. You, you, the th- the, hey, the thing what I play Halo with will let me watch yep. bad movies from stars yes. that I'm already paying for. Right. Fuck yeah. Because that's the other secret thing is if you had a disc subscription, you got the streaming stuff for free. Right. God, I forgot about that. It was already that. there. I forgot about that. Yeah. So like it was th- this was this was like the the con- putting the apps on the consoles that you know, millions of people already had basically bootstrapped the entire idea of, man, it is kind of nice to just watch video straight through this box. That's already in my house. Yes. Like that's why it was such a huge deal for market penetration because yeah. yeah, Like why would you have bought a Roku prior to that? But once your Xbox could do it like, Oh, this, of course I'm going to use this. Well, and and then around the same time, Apple released that first gen Apple TV that looked like a big Mac mini, big white Mac mini with a, that ran some weird apps and mostly was used for watching stuff that you bought from iTunes. Wait, was the original Apple TV really white? It was white. It was white with a silver trim. I think weird. It was analog only, no HDMI. Wow. I I think, didn't we have one of these lying around the office for something? Yeah, we, I brought, I probably brought my, I'd bought one years before. I think it maybe Um, got repurposed for some around the office use at some point. We, we piped, uh, we piped screens to it. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, so, um, it basically looked like a Mac mini that, yeah. that one, and uh, there were no third party apps. So it wasn't, it didn't use any of the phone architecture or anything like that. Like the current Apple TVs do, it was just a box that could play stuff from Apple and then they would build, they, they had, I, I want to say they had a Netflix app, but I don't even remember if that's true. It's, it's been a long time. Should I assume that first Apple TV was arm based? Were we doing arm at that point? Probably, I have no idea. I don't even know if they would have told us. We probably somebody probably had to take it apart and look, because Apple wouldn't have told you at that point. Um. So so, like the the consoles directly begat like Microsoft. My the the Netflix on the on the consoles led to Hulu and and uh, um uh, a bunch of other streaming you know now familiar streaming services launching on the consoles. I, and I, I kind of remember. When Hulu came around, I was like, who's this upstart? Well, Wait, yeah, it was what, such do you, a, what do you mean we need another streaming service? 
But but like the the thing you don't remember is that it was such a big deal that Microsoft did their entire Xbox One strategy around the idea that it was going to unify the apps yeah. and your cable box. Absolutely. And you'd watch it all through this one Microsoft provided interface. Yes. The third screen is what they called it. The, the entire the entire concept of the Xbox One was built around the popularity of media apps on the 360. Well, well, and when Microsoft talked about the Xbox One, they talked about computing in terms of three screens, your computer screen, your mm-hmm. phone screen. And then the third screen, yes. the one that lives in your living room, yeah, powered whole, by the Xbox. Whole idea of the, the name One is that it's 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 going to be the one box that you have in your whole living room because it does everything. Did you ever actually do that? Did you run your cable box through the Xbox ever? I never had cable in that era. Oh, but I we did had cable. Um, I did uh, once they added a USB over-the-air tuner support because I mean there were a ton of good HD channels in San Francisco over the air. Yeah. I, bought, yeah. I got one of those and plugged an antenna into it and used those features for over the air TV and it ruled. We, we had, we plugged the TiVo through the Xbox one for about a month. Yeah. And the amount of lag that it added was such that I was instructed to disconnect that and make it back. So it was good again. <laughs> That's terrible. Yeah. I remember, I remember at the time when the, the Xbox one came out, people were like, People are like, aha, I'm just going to plug my PS4 into that thing and just play everything on the same console. And it was like, nope, you are not going to. Even if I, that. if you had done that. So my Xbox and PS4 lived in a cabinet that had one fan blowing in and one fan blowing out. And if I had done that, it probably would have lit a fire in there because those machines ran so hot or PS3, mm-hmm. PS3, not PS4. Yeah. Um, well, PS4 came out around the same time. Yeah. 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 So, um, so that, but that led to like a whole proliferation of, of boxes, cable box, like streaming boxes, streaming TV boxes, the would Roku. You, yeah. Would you say that was the beginning of the modern era of boxes? I, I think, I think the modern era is just TVs probably. Oh, well, sure. Okay. Uh, but, but yeah, I mean, yeah, on, this we're, was, we're getting ahead of ourselves, but did, are you saying you think the set top box is going away? I think the set top box is going away with an asterisk. Okay. Well, sorry. I, I jumped the gun. Let's, let's get, get it out in order. Um, so, so yeah, the, the Roku, then the second gen Apple TV, the one that had HDMI, uh, the uh, Chromecast came on later. The fire TV came on around then that Google TV thing that four companies made boxes for, and they all had terrible remotes and it universally sucked, came out and went away almost immediately. Was that on the market at the same time as Chromecast? Uh, Chromecast came after that just okay. a little bit, I believe. I um, that may not be true. Chromecast may have come out around the same time. I can't remember. Um, Chromecast needed Chromecast needed a certain Wi-Fi to work because it it was um, uh, because of the way the the video piped over and it came across wireless. There was no way to plug it in, whereas the set like the the Google TV was more of a traditional set top box. Um, now, now, of course, that Google TV and the current Google TV. Now that I'm saying it, I'm thinking that might have been called Android TV, but I didn't I didn't actually look this up before we started. I couldn't remember. Um, it's like, it's inconsequential. It's, it's so inconsequential. We shouldn't, I shouldn't have even mentioned it. Like, <laughs> oh, great. Sony shipped this box. We did a video on it on tested. And before we got the video up, they'd almost, they'd pulled software support for it. And they were like, we're not doing this anymore. This oh, thing wow. sucks. Wow. That's a real, so, real HP touchpad kind of situation. Yeah, it was, um, it wasn't great. Were, were these kinds of boxes a major area of coverage for you guys? Coverage we focus? spent a lot of time talking about them because they were, well, because the, the, like, it wasn't just there was there was they were interesting to talk about because the remote mattered like the remote design really was important it turns out like a bad remote would sink was it was it was would sink one of these devices but the other thing is this this is when everybody had exclusive deals for content so like 
Amazon wasn't on the Apple TVs because Amazon and Apple had beef and Hulu was on some things, but not others. And, and like, like MLB would have an exclusive deal with Roku or somebody one year or Google, and you wouldn't be able to get the MLB app on the non, the other boxes. So what that meant was you ended up having one or two or three of these or like a console and one other maybe plugged in. If you were a normal human being, um, if you wanted to be able to watch everything. So like you had a fire TV to watch Amazon stuff and then you'd have an Apple TV to watch Apple stuff. And, and, and luckily that time is kind of passed for the most part. I think it oh. still, it still rears its head here and there. I mean, I think it's only in the last couple of years that Roku and HBO have still had issues, I believe. Uh, that was, it's uh, been four or five years at this that's point, like, but yeah, HBO max wasn't on Roku for a minute, but that's all resolved now. Okay. Um, yeah, it's, 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 um, it's, it's weird. Cause like you have that stuff with cable companies too, like charter won't want to pay Viacom. And so then they'll have a, you know, the local cable company will run a thing on the bottom of all the Viacom channels that says, Hey, this channel is going away on September 22nd. If you don't like this call Viacom and tell them that you're going to cancel your, 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 you're upset so that, you know, like they're getting their customers to apply leverage to the <laughs> negotiations or whatever. Um, and meanwhile, they have Julie Chen or, 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 you know, the, uh, what's his name from two and a half men coming on the TV saying, Hey, hello, charter customers. We just wanted to let you know that your cable company are being dicks and they're going to turn off your two and a half men. If you don't call them and complain. Sounds like inciting violence. It was, it's, it was grim times. I remember they, uh, the local cable company in Bristol, when I was a kid, tried to cancel MTV, tried to stop paying for MTV. And the MTV, like they brought VJs down to Bristol what? to have rallies and shit. It was bonkers. What? Yeah. Wait, which era was this? Eighties. Oh my god, Were you mid, mid was to late eighties. Like, like Kurt Quinn, Loader Martha showed up. Quinn and Adam Curry showing up, or was this? I don't know if Adam Curry. I remember Kurt Loader was there. I didn't actually go to it because it seems stupid. <laughs> it's incredible. But yeah. Um, anyway, uh, so the the thing that happened around this time is. TVs started having apps too. So you had this weird choice, right? Like you could buy your TV and like our Panasonic TVs have them. Um, uh, they would have really terrible apps, like slow performing, never updated, like search would take forever because the key pressing the keypad takes so long to change the letters yeah. and it didn't integrate with your phone or an app or anything like that. Clearly whatever TV or sorry, whatever hardware was in the TV running these apps was absolutely just not up to the task. It really pathetic. Um, or you could spend a hundred bucks and get a pretty decent box that would do that thing, but better, but it would take up one of your HDMI inputs, which was, which they're precious. And then around 2015, 2016, the TVs, I mean, starting in like 2014, realistically are the high end models, but by 2015, 2016, like the apps that were built into the TVs just got pretty good. Like, like they were fast, the controller, the remotes were pretty good. You know, you didn't really think that there was a problem yeah. with them I mean, as, you know, as, as, as the lesson has been shown over and over and over and over in mainstream media that good enough is good enough. Yeah. Like, like if, if the apps in the TV are good enough, then the majority of people are going to be just fine with that. To, to the point now that like the modern TVs are running mostly Google, uh, Google TV or Roku. So like if you if you go buy a cheap TV from TCL or Hisense or or Vizio, 
you can often choose between the Roku version of the TV and the Google TV version of the TV when you purchase it, right? They're, they're different models, different SKUs, but it's like there's a 55 inch with this screen that runs Google TV. And there's a 55 inch with the same screen that runs Roku and they're more or less the same. Oh, I didn't realize they were like equivalent models. Otherwise, that's kind yeah, of like same ports, same, same, same feature set, same uh same like you know hdr status same dolby vision support all that stuff i'm kind of surprised that's worth their while worth the engineering effort to actually and we all the effort distribution design everything to put out two basically identical tvs with different platforms like do people really care that much well so what i was gonna say is people do care because the phone integration with the device is depending on how you use it if you're just using the remote it kind of doesn't matter right um but like if you have an Android phone, having the Google TV is a significant upgrade because the remote and stuff are just built in. Like the phone integrates with the remote in such a way that like when you're watching TV and you pick up your phone, the remote's on the lock screen of your phone, right? It's the same thing that the Apple TV does with the, with the iPhone. So if you're in the living room and you, you're watching TV on the Apple TV on the living room, the remote's just on your lock screen and you don't have to have a, a, like I haven't used the Apple TV remote in two years probably. Wow. Um, the, the, um, the downside of all the integration with the TVs is that they are collecting an insane amount of data. And also they're an ad advertising delivery mechanism. So you buy a cheap TV. The reason a TV, the reason you can get a 60 inch TV for 500 bucks now is because the, the company that makes the TV knows that they're going to make this much money in data sales and advertising on you over the, the five to 10 years that you have that TV. Um, and, and also you opted in without realizing it. And the way to opt out is fairly difficult and onerous and usually involves sending mail email to a, an address someplace. Is that a passive opt-in process? Is that legal? I mean, passive opt-in is what the country is built on, Brad. Okay. I guess so. Um, yeah, there's no GDPR for TV stuff in the U S right. I'm curious what if GDPR had any impact on this in the EU, I would be interested to hear from European listeners. Is that, is that some situation where like the, the language is like by by turning the television on, you are consenting to our data collection policies When you agree to the terms of service, when you sign up, when you start a new TV at the bottom of it, it says, if you'd like to opt out, you send a note with this and your serial number to this, uh, this email address. Oh, wow. We will opt you out. Oh, I thought, I thought you were going to say at worst, it was like, maybe you needed to access some kind of service menu to turn off the data collection. I didn't realize you have to like email someone to do it for you. So, So on my Vizio, which is a 2014 model, you can say, I don't want to have ad tracking on, but if you want to opt out of the data collection, you have to, you have to send them an email. I'm trying to, I'm trying to think like realistically, what kind of data is being harvested here? Like watch habits, obviously like probably some advertising interaction. Well, so watch habits, Um, watch habits, but not just watch habits about like the shows you're watching. They're also able to harvest and see like, Oh, you spent this much time playing an Xbox. Because they can, because of the way HTML CC works, when you plug an Xbox in, they know it's an Xbox now, right? Sure. They know it's a PS5. Oh, that's kind of, that's gross. And because they have the audio and video, they can print it and they can see it be like, oh, Brad played four hours of Ghosts of Shishima this week, but he played 16 hours of some, some, some weird hentai game on that Steam is, on the same TV, right? That is foul. Like, do you yeah. know for a fact that they are like profiling the image to see what you're doing? I don't know how they're profiling it, but I do know that they can get data on on the content that is being watched across all media. That's, that's creepy. Yeah. Um, so yeah, then, and like, this is going into rating stuff like the rating, like you can often, this started with TiVo. You could opt into TiVo to be a Nielsen TiVo family and you would be part of like an aggregate 
viewership that was the TiVo viewers on on Nielsen for ratings purposes, right? Um, the TVs just do that now. If you like, it's 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 bad to the point that I should I when I replace the TV, the main TV that we use, like the Vizio TV that's in my bedroom, I set it up, I updated the firmware, and then I re did a reset on it and didn't hook it up to the Wi-Fi after that. Wow. Yeah. When hang on, other sidebar. Yeah. When will you replace that Panasonic plasma? I I've been looking and it still doesn't seem like the right time. <laughs> well, I mean, wait, does that mean you're on the hunt? I mean, I I, I kind of always sniff around, right? Like, like you know, Super Bowl time, you're looking at the sales and you're like, oh, you know, I can get a I can get a 65 inch LG plasma and or LG uh, OLED. OLED. Yeah, that looks pretty good. And sure. then it's like, and then it's like, is it going to be better than the TV I have? Probably not. I mean, the higher resolution, the HDR seems nice. It will not act as a low grade space heater. I mean, look, that is, that is probably the number one reason I replaced the TV in our house right now. Yeah. Cause the big plasma is hot. Like you walk by it and you feel it on your yes, arm as yes, you go you by. Can, you can feel some warmth coming off the TV. Yeah. It sure, I, it sure still looks good though. I, I will tell you when we were playing, um, when we were playing the switch sports game a few weeks ago and the kiddo didn't put her, her wrist strap on, I was like, Maybe it's okay if you don't put your wrist strap on. Ah. Let's live on the edge a little bit here. Oh, man. Um, when are you going to replace yours, Brad? I don't know. Like, I, I keep telling myself if I were to move a long distance, I don't want to move that thing. Plasmas are hard to transport. 100% from. true. That is that is People, absolutely. Like, if we move cannot, back east, then we're not get, taking the TV with us. Not, not that I would lay down any TV necessarily for shipping, but you cannot. Plasmas have to stay vertical. There's I, I forget what it is about the construction of them that they are very prone to shattering if you try to lay them horizontally. Well, it's because they're friggin' heavy too. Yeah, maybe that's part of it. But um, yeah, uh, that would probably be the major one. Yeah, there, I've 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 been on the soapbox before, and I I have I've been so heartened to see uh, people like John Linneman from Digital Foundry also getting on this train. It's the the low persistence aspect of plasma is the reason because I play so many games on it that I cannot get rid of it. Like that is the one aspect of that TV that, that translates to motion resolution that translates to, yeah. and I think we've talked about this before, but how clear it stays with fast motion, like nothing on the market, OLED or LCD can match. Like it basically does not lose detail in, in it fast looks, motion. It looks really good when you're playing because, games that move fast. It is awesome. It, yeah. Because it strobes at 600 Hertz. Like yeah. it, it literally is drawing and it's not drawing new frames, obviously like it's, you know, afraid. 60 FPS game. It is drawing each frame 10 times to the screen, but still like <laughs> that maintains some pretty goddamn nice clarity while it's moving around really fast, which is amazing for games. Well, so, and the other like, thing is now when you plug in like the, when I plug the PS five into it, like that thing has no problem doing 1080p 60 rock solid in basically everything I play. Yes. Yes, exactly. As right. now that we are like, getting so many 60 FPS, but like I, like I, I genuinely mean this when I say that, like if you've seen, you know, high refresh monitors on PC, 120 hertz, yeah. 44 hertz. Like that's kind of what it looks like. Like a 60 FPS game on a plasma perceptually is very similar to playing a high frame rate game on a monitor. It It isn't. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's a it, it is. It feels really it looks really nice. Yeah, obviously it's not you're not getting as much information like it's not literally yeah. the same frame rate, but like the the impression you get is of a similar smoothness and clarity. Anyway, that's my little plasma <laughs> minute. I will get rid of that thing eventually. But well, so the. I mean, I, look, I regret getting rid of the 24 inch Sony Trinitron mon uh, CRT monitor that I, that I had for a long oh, time. 
Wait, was that a PC monitor or a PC TV? monitor? Yeah. Wow. Did they make 24 inch? Oh, wait a minute. That wasn't the one, was it? Yep. You had the one? The 16 by nine. We've probably had this 16 exact by 10. On this exact Super podcast flat. Before. When, when, when we stopped using it at the maximum PC lab, uh, I was like, hey, does anybody want this? And everybody's like, no, I don't want a big giant yes. CRT on my desk. And I was like, okay, I'm taking it home. Okay. We, we have had this exact conversation. Yeah. The we've G- had this conversation before. GDM, it was a lovely monitor. The, the GDM FW. Yep. 900. Yes. Yep. Yes. Um, okay. So we used so, it to test video cards for a long time because it had variable refresh rates. So we could we could crank it up to a really high refresh. Anyway, it doesn't matter. So the, was, that, um, was that your one? Was that your one time to get rid of a screen you should have kept, and now you will clean? Probably, to, yeah. Is that why you're clinging to the plasma? No, I'm clinging to the plasma because I'm cheap more than anything. <laughs> um, although it does feel stupid, I'm probably spending. I probably spent more money in electricity oh, in yes. the last three years with that TV than it would cost to replace it with a much nicer TV. Now, anyway. Uh, about that i mean that's i don't know if you spend thousands in electricity on the thing but yeah i mean but look, i, but I get, get what you're saying nice yeah. you can get a pretty pretty nice 55 or 60 inch tv for like 500 bucks now i, I get what you're saying for sure yeah um, um the other thing is i'll have to replace everything in that chain because the receiver won't do what i need with like i have to get a new receiver and maybe i just maybe i don't need a new receiver maybe i just only plug one console and the apple tv into it and call it a day i don't i, I don't know what the future looks like I'm basing this on nothing, nothing other than gut feeling, but I'm starting to worry a little bit that the AV receiver might be. I think it's a, going, I think it it's a be, specialist item these yes. days. Okay. That's a better way to put it. I was trying to think of how to phrase like, on, I started to say on its way out, which is premature. I don't mean that, but the way you put it is exactly what I mean. That like, yeah, it's, it's becoming it's not, a niche item it's, again, it's becoming a niche thing that only, I'm not going to say lunatics, but enthusiasts let's say have a need for. So like it, it, seems, um, it seems like, it seems like the vast, vast majority of people, plug all the HDMI into the TV now and then just run some kind of line from the TV, like an ERC or yeah, something yeah. to a soundbar. Yeah. That, that, that is the thing that most normal people do. Um, but I um, cannot, I cannot give up my floor speakers. So I need something to drive those. Gina would love to get rid of the floor speakers. Oh, floor speakers are great. They're furniture. They so good. They are furniture. They are, they look awesome mm. and they are shelves. Like we have, they're part of the decor. Okay. We've got like some nice decor. You got a plant on what's on top of one of the speakers. It, it looks a little bit like a like a twenty five year old dude's house when you walk in. Like I just need a rec room to put the floor standing speakers sure. in, and, and then like having in the living room, which is the first thing people see when they hit the hit the house, is is a bit much. Anyway, um, like we were talking about the ads and the data collection, and all that, and how you avoid it. The real way you avoid it is by not using the built in interface for the TV, right? Okay. Sure. Like like Roku sells a lot of data. That's that's part of the cost of doing business of having a Roku box. Um, if you buy a hundred and fifty dollar Apple TV, they don't sell data. That's that's the way you get out of this problem. Sure. Um, or, I, I I mean there are you know there are certainly ways to defeat Roku's communication with various. Well, yeah, you pie hole them and what, yeah. whatever else. But but ultimately, the you can block ads but you probably can't block the data collection going back unless you just firewall the Roku. So it doesn't have any network connection, which means it's not going to be able to use apps, which means you're not going to, it's not going to work. Right. Um, anyway, uh, the, the other one is Google TV, the Google TV box. They sell a Chromecast now that is a Chromecast plus a remote. So you don't have to have Chromecast on the apps that you use to stream TV and you can actually have an interface that you browse. That's pretty good. I used it a little bit last year. I ended up not keeping it for a multitude of reasons, but mainly it's that we don't use Android phones and the, the iOS integration with the Apple TV was better than the iOS integration with the Android box. Yeah. 
Um, and then like there's a bazillion apps for all the platforms now. Like, like you, you, when you buy a Sony TV, you get a Google TV interface for it. It also has an AirPlay app so that if you want to AirPlay stuff to your Sony TV, you can just open it up in your phone. You play it, blast it up there just like you do with an Apple TV box. I still cannot believe we live in a world where AirPlay just works on non-Apple devices like the Roku has it too. Like the, 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 the day that the AirPlay option just showed up on our Roku. Yeah. Was like I something I genuinely thought I would never silly just think of, think about how closed and exclusive apple was as a company for so long well that was one that they said they were going to open at the beginning and then it just took them a really long time to do it did they i think they waited until people had reverse engineered it pretty sufficiently (laughs) i don't know that the current there's a there's there's multiple levels of airplay support i don't know that the current top tier is supported on anything that's not apple devices or apple licensed like like lg has a deal with apple vizio has a deal with apple and there's an app actual apple airplay app on those devices that pops up when you airplay to it the one that is on my roku at least the old i have an old roku three or four i think and that one seems very much like the you know we reverse engineered the last version of the protocol that's still supported um but it works great so yeah. who cares yeah yeah the one on our ultra is airplay branded it uses the the apple font oh, yeah, treatment yeah. and everything and, and it, it, you can do screen mirroring and as well as music but but i think you're right that it is like a previous version well, of, and, of the and then the, the other thing is like the, the, the apps are all across, like the people put their, the places that are making content, put their apps everywhere. So like you can watch Apple TV exclusive plus exclusive shows on an Android, on a Google TV yeah. because there's an app and you can watch your Amazon stuff on the Apple TV because it, you know, the rising tide lifts all ships. It's we've, we've moved mostly past the era of exclusive stuff now, which is it's, good. Yeah. It's kind of, it's kind of the opposite of what the streaming platforms themselves are doing, right? Like the, the state of the state of content delivery platforms is pretty lamentable because everything is so siloed and, and there are more of them popping up every day. Yeah. But, but on the hardware front, yeah, the apps have pretty much spread across, like everything is kind of device agnostic now, right? Pretty, pretty much. Yeah. Um, I haven't haven't hit something that wasn't accessible on an Apple TV or like I unplugged the Roku and the Chromecast a few months ago and just put Apple, put a, put a second Apple TV on the bedroom TV and, and have, haven't had any problems. It's been good. Also, you wrote those in the notes, but we probably don't even need to say that all of this is because of cheap arm processors. Yeah. Like all of this happened because the arm processors got good enough for every, Um, everybody. That made me wonder. I actually went and pulled up like the LG C2 specs. They don't say anything about what kind of compute hardware is in their TV, which bums me of out. Of course just from not. A curiosity standpoint, but you know. Well, I mean, presumably it's all the same processor. Like it's the same one as doing like they have one SOC that does everything for the TV. Let's yeah, say right, because right. like modern TVs have an OS, right? They're right. not they're not just it's not just a screen anymore, right? It's, it's the whole thing's weird. Maybe it's like some kind of Qualcomm chip or something in there. I mean, maybe I, Samsung is probably Samsung hardware. Yeah, of right? course. Yeah. Um, I was thinking more LG or TCL. I want to see Sony does Sony does Qualcomm, right? Maybe. I do not know. I can't remember. Anyway, um, it's a, it's a, it's a weird world. Like I, the thing that's interesting to me is that I, I have to imagine a few years people are going to start rooting their TVs <laughs> and like weird yes. stuff will start happening with old TVs. Oh, that's exciting. Yeah. So if you, I, I, I kind of poked around to see if I could see any projects like that. Like, cause I assume that some of the older TVs especially are like the encryption keys and stuff were janky enough that they, that people have been able to brute force them. But I haven't, I didn't, didn't find anything. 
that sounds like a nightmare, like the compatibility matrix for a project like that just sounds like a nightmare. I assume that's pretty moving target because TV, I bet the internal hardware changes year I to bet, year. I bet each year model is the same though from top to bottom. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, year after year, there are probably things are probably changing. I mean, oh yeah, it's a consumer like that, that kind of consumer electronics is a terrifying business to, but, the, point um, that, to the point that if you were going to try to support a bunch of TV models in an open source project, that would be bad. <laughs> that would be a nightmare. Yeah. Like I think, I think it. I think what ends up happening in that is you have, you have projects for LG TVs and right. you have, you have okay. a project for Samsung TVs, you have a project for, for Vizio and whatever. Yes. yes that, that would be more manageable. Uh, all right. Let me, let me loop back around to my question. You don't, yeah. do you, do you think set the boxes themselves are going anywhere anytime soon? No. As, as TVs are getting better. I think, I think so. I think that Roku uh, at some point in the future, it doesn't cost Roku very much to keep making standalone boxes. Um, and and it doesn't apple's going to keep making standalone boxes just of because course. they like making standalone boxes of course i mean you know the rumors about the apple television are almost as persistent as the rumors about the apple car uh, yeah i mean i think it's much more likely that apple can licenses their stuff for high-end tvs right yeah you're probably right um i don't like i think the the like who knows when Google's going to kill the google tv again it's in enough like they have enough market penetration now because they're in uh, Vizio, uh, sorry, TCL, Sony, and a bunch of the other like big TV manufacturers that I think that, that they'll probably, that's probably a, a live product now that they'll not kill. Um, I, I really like, I'm, I'm really curious what the future of this looks like, right? Like does, is, does Roku eventually become a piece of a company that just sells software to TV companies? Maybe. Um, I mean, obviously Google's not going to do that and Apple's not going to do that. So maybe, yeah, um, I mean, Roku's even in the content production business though. Now like that, that weird Al, that weird Al Yankovic biopic is being made by Roku or, or. Well, yeah, it's, but you it's, can watch that on an Apple TVs. The, like you just download the Roku app. You can watch that on yeah. any box you want. It's not like you have to buy a Roku to do right. that. Right. I mean, Plex has free content too. You can watch the, if you, you know where the, you know, if you want to watch the nanny where you mm -hmm. have to do that, it's on Plex. Free Plex. What? Yeah. Huh. Okay. Yeah, it's it's um like I, I don't I mean we're starting to see well first off some of the things are that used to be standalone hardware are becoming apps now right so like XBMC with Kodi and Plex and all that are now apps that you just download on your devices yeah because it didn't make sense to have those those be long running apps and now the now that the hardware is on a server someplace probably um I, I'm I'm curious what the long term outlook is but but also. Like I want to highlight that we live in a kind of magical world because like you can start watching something in one like like this is one of those places where that AT&T commercial from the 90s where it's like, do you, you, you know, you will. Here's something unimaginable that couldn't happen in today's technology. And, and we're there. Right. Yeah. Like you start watching TV in one room, you switch to your phone and then you walk and sit down in the living room and the, the same show comes up in exactly where you left off in the place that, that you left. I mean, nobody watches TV anymore, so it's kind of useless, but here we are. It works. Yeah. Um, so I guess that's, we got that going for us, I guess. Indeed. Last um, little thing I want to mention here real fast is like how ironic it is to me that the 360 was, I believe the first console that got Netflix and the, and in that era, the Xbox was as closed as it was. Well, and that now the app marketplace on current Xboxes is about the most wild west situation I've ever seen. Yeah, it's buck wild on isn't an app it? store. You can you can get anything like you, 
You can publish anything on that thing. You can run just about anything on an Xbox now. What about an Xbox One emulator? Mm, I don't know about that. Just yeah. Uh, but you can go get Cody or even VLC on an Xbox now. Well, and just plug a USB stick full of videos into your Xbox and just play them <laughs> like that. Like if you had gone back to 2008 when like they were at the height of their like this is our closed platform, we have to monetize everything. Couldn't you, you could plug a USB drive in then too, though? There was you? a media player, yes, but it was not like it had to be WMV or something, right? I, I can't remember what the parameters were there. Like it, it's not as simple now as it is now where you can just go. I mean, I get like part of that. Part of that was also like media format, like format and, and codec support. Like the point there is VLC plays literally anything you throw at it, right? Yeah. So that means an Xbox now will play anything you throw at it on a USB. I mean, look, we give Microsoft a fair amount of grief here for being goofy sometimes, but, but the, but the living room as a place for computers was a thing that they were pretty early on. Yeah. Like, like I, I had multiple conversations in the early two thousands with people on the windows team about what TiVo, like, like their, their whole thing was TiVo hiding the computer part behind a, like a friendly interface was, was smart, but also not the way it was going to go in the long term. Like the, eventually that was going to become a more general purpose device and they weren't wrong. Yeah. Like, like the 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 general purposeness is in it's still a it's still a one-way content pipeline but you choose the the content much more explicitly now and and the interfaces are designed around simple simple ui so yeah as, um, as much as as much as some things about tv watching are irksome these days overall pretty good yeah well i mean you i i only watch i exclusively watch things that i'm excited to watch now which right. is the big change yeah Anyway, I think that's a, a place to wrap it up. Yes, there's a lot of ways you can do it. There's a, there's the other thing that we didn't we, like. There was too much to get into here, um, but there's a lot of weird little projects that just kind of like came and went, or were very very small, or were super niche. There's like like the popcorn hour is something that we didn't oh, get into in this episode. Oh, the popcorn hour. But like there were a bunch of things that were built almost exclusively for, like I said, for people who wanted to watch anime on their TV. Mm-hmm. Um, Western Digital had a series of boxes that were very similar to that. That would just like some some they had some SOC in it that would be, that had a date decoder that would play literally anything. It was like the it was like hardware VLC basically. Um, and and there's a there's a lot of interesting stuff. In fact, actually, if I think about it, they probably were using VLC libraries to play the videos on those devices. Yeah. Um, there's a, there's a like it's a it's a fascinating time because there was like a great big rush to release all these things and half of the people were just making it because they thought it was cool it seemed like um so anyway speaking uh, of speaking of making it because they think it's cool like i i came in here thinking like oh we should do a little segment on like what are the what are the diy options out there like open source projects for this stuff but i think there's too many to get into i think that's a whole episode if people are interested in it probably i googled that like there's there's the geekbox open pli my box two, a number of projects came up when I Googled it. I'll say there, that there, there's basically, I like, I, th- I think that there are, there are potentially, there were a few spinoff episodes that I thought of when we were talking about this. And I'm curious what people come up with. If anybody else thinks of the same ones. So oh, I made a, I made an episode suggestions channel finally. Oh, there you go. Perfect. Beautiful. I've been putting that off. Wow. There are a lot of, Oh my God, <laughs> this is a gold mine. Perfect. I made it this morning and there are several dozen suggestions in here. Beautiful. Do you set did you set it to slow mode? I did. Thank you uh to our to our wonderful patrons. Yeah. This is a great time to thank our patrons. Thank you, patrons. 
Thank you, patrons, both for your support and your episode ideas. Yeah. If you would like to support the tech pod, you can go to patreon.com slash tech pod. And for as little as two bucks a month, you can uh, chuck a couple of bucks our way. So we keep doing the podcast. We appreciate you all so much. Yes, we do. Um, and uh, if you are one of our executive producer to your patrons, you get a shout out every week on the show. It's true. Almost infallible, almost without fail. Sometimes we forget. Yeah, it's true. And we're about to prove it. Yeah. So thank you to Paddle Creek Games, makers of Fractured Veil, Andrew Slosky, Octothorpe, Wedge, assistant to the Thread Club manager, Joel Krauska, Twinkie has a new pick in place, and James Kamick. Thank you also so much. Yeah. Thank you. Um, and thanks to everybody who supports the show. We, we do really appreciate it. And we will be back next week with another edition of The Tech Pod. Goodbye, everyone. <laughs>